1: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello everyone. So today I'm gonna talk about some parenting myths. Now I have five of these, but if I know me, I am not gonna get through all five of these today. I will be lucky to get through three. So we're gonna go for two or three. And these are beliefs that I come across again and again with parents, either email questions and inquiries about the classes in group chats, or through one-on-one coaching. So I'll see how many I can get through. If not, I'm gonna break it out into a couple episodes. So let's dive right in. The first myth I come up against a lot is, if I'm a good parent, my toddler wouldn't have meltdowns. In other words, parents believe that if their child is having a meltdown, they must be doing something wrong. I even did a quick search on this one, and it turns out that 80% of all parents of toddlers hold this belief. I actually remember my kid's dad having this exact sentiment many, many years ago when our twins were toddlers. We were shopping. I had two of the kids, and he had our younger son, Chandler. We had a bunch of stuff to get at different stores, so we decided to go to our separate ways and meet back at the car. He gets back to the car, red faced, clearly flustered, and even angry. I did everything you told me to do. I used empathy. I connected with his feelings. Then I told him we weren't buying the sword today. I asked him if he wanted help calming down, and he just had a complete meltdown anyway and kept going. I was so embarrassed. I finally had to pick him up and carry him out of the store. Being good at this parenting thing doesn't mean our kids will never have big feelings and never melt down, never have big reactions. Doesn't mean they're always gonna be perfectly agreeable and well-behaved. It means we're still calm in the face of the storm and the chaos. It means we step up into the role of confident leader even when they're falling apart. Toddlers have big feelings. These are early years. They're about learning to control those big feelings, not stuffing them down or learning we don't express our feelings. It's not that at all. It's we do have big feelings. But even as adults, we have big feelings about certain things. But emotional intelligence is about exhibiting our feelings in the right time, in the right place, with the right people, at moderate levels. As an adult, it means not getting short with our partner when we get home because we had a bad day at work, or telling our partner when they've done something that we didn't like or hurt our feelings, or what we would like them to do differently in a way that's helpful and constructive. It's also being a partner who can take constructive feedback for what it is and see it as an opportunity to connect and improve ourselves and our relationships. So this is what we're helping our kids work towards. But they're at the beginning stages. But I've covered these pieces before, but it's been a while. So I think it's really important to break this down again for anyone new, as well as a refresher, because this is stuff that's always good to remember. So we have two main parts to our brain, our primitive or limbic brain, and our logical brain. When babies are first born, the limbic brain is in full working order, but the logical brain has a long way to go. These are things like language skills, reasoning skills, planning, goal setting, and much more. Toddlers and preschoolers do have a lot of language coming on board pretty quickly, so this part of the logical brain development starts to happen in toddlerhood but they still don't have a lot of logical brain yet to counteract their limbic brain, a lot of reasoning skills. So when they get upset, they're often completely reactionary and aren't accessing any logical brain at all. I mean, even just thinking about the language, like that is very, very new. And they only have a few hundred words in those first, first month or two when they first start talking. So this is why they have big reactions and meltdowns. As we work with them on this process, the logical brain comes more and more accessible during times of big feelings and stress. But this is a process. This is something we're working with them on. As an adult, we can still experience moments of complete disconnection from our logical brain. For some adults who never learned how to connect with and express feelings more skillfully, they can get very stuck in their limbic brain during times of stress. Now, for me, it still happens on a very rare occasion, but you can feel the difference. It's that pure emotion, like that deep anger, resentment, the fear. But for us as adults, hopefully we recognize it, which is our logical mind stepping in and saying, I'm out of control. I'm really angry. I need to pull this back immediately. And we use our skills to allow our logical mind to now take over and make better decisions rather than just being reactionary. So this is your toddler or preschooler, even a little bit older child, but without as much brain development to pull back to calm as easily as we can and as easily as we can think about how our thoughts get out of control sometimes. So imagine doing that but being but with a lot less abilities to pull that back. Not just the practice, but the neurological development. It's like our ability to ride a bike versus a toddler's ability. So they can do, either they can steer or they can pedal, but they can't do both at the same time. So when your young child has big reactions, hopefully this makes it much easier to first have empathy and to see it as an opportunity to teach. Just like if they fell over on their bike, we're going to work with them to develop the skills to learn emotional regulation, just like we would with anything else, with any physical skill that we're working with them on, any cognitive skill that we're working with them on. We're going to Work with them and teach them how to work with their emotions, how to recognize their emotions, how to work with those emotions. So in the case with my kid's dad, way back when he was dealing with Chandler melting down in Target, and any parent who deals with this now, first of all, know that it's absolutely normal. You can be the most amazing, patient, connected parent. You can say all the most amazing words, and your toddler is still going to have his feelings that he needs to work through. Sometimes it may work to pull him back and it's great, but sometimes it's not. So staying calm and patient, letting your child know, I can see you're really upset about not being able to get the toy today. But if you still feel like you need time to calm down, we'll need to leave the store and try again another time. So that's what I would do when my kids were younger. I would just tell them that what was going to happen. Then I'd swoop them up and I'd leave. Sometimes you can go back to the car for a few minutes, they'll calm down and you can go back to the store. Most of the time they would calm down long before I even got to the door of the store. But every child is different. Some kids are going to need longer to calm down. Some kids will calm down pretty quickly. But it's just a way of keeping them safe, other shoppers from having to deal with or listen to a full meltdown. Now when they're babies and just tired or cranky and I was halfway done with checking out When they burst into a full, I can't hold it together anymore. I'm tired or I'm hungry or I'm both. Well, I just do what I needed to do to finish and get out of the store. So it's really about your comfort level. If you can go ahead and finish up and check out and manage okay, go for it. Nothing wrong with that. The main point is that meltdowns are absolutely normal. They're nothing to be embarrassed about or feel inadequate about. So I know this is a trigger for a lot of parents. There's a lot of fear of judgment with that. And I can almost guarantee absolutely no parent or no one who's had kids anytime in the past 10 years is sending anything but thoughts of support or relief like, I'm glad my kids are past that stage. And here's my thing. I always felt like I'm confident in the way I'm handling this. My kids have amazing qualities that may not be showing right in this moment, But parenting is a journey of me guiding my kids, and this is one of many moments that are going to be strung together that will guide them towards becoming the best souls that they can be. And so any judgment that may or may not have been happening from anyone external was just not something that I wanted to spend any of my energy or time putting any thought into. But I know this can be a trigger for a lot of people, fear of recrimination and judgment. If you've dealt with that growing up or whenever or wherever in any previous time in your life and this is a trigger, spending some time figuring out, facing it down, will help you a lot, not just in parenting, but in all areas of life. It's not, it's not that no one's opinions matter. But first and foremost is our own opinion and those in our circle who really have proven to be quality people, those we admire, we respect and inspire us. Those are the opinions that matter. If, however, you're feeling like, gosh, I really could handle these situations better. I do feel like I could have better skills. I'm not really confident what I'm doing here and that is the reason why I'm feeling triggered because I'm I'm feeling unconfident because I don't have the skills to do this well. I'm not feeling patient and calm. Then I would love to have you come join us. My class on tantrums gives the great foundational information step-by-step guide to helping your toddler through tantrums as well as ways to work on emotional development outside of tantrums, which is actually the best time to work on teaching a solid foundation for emotion skills. Just like teaching anything, we don't teach proper teeth brushing techniques or letters or reading when our kids are upset. The same with tantrums. We can offer to help them get calm, but there isn't really any learning that is happening while someone is completely in their limbic brain. So we want to teach in other ways during other times. This is what will help them make the neural connections to calming down, learning their emotions, and learning how to share their emotions in more appropriate ways. So the next parenting myth I've seen a lot is, if I set a boundary and I'm too strict about it, it will do one of three things. Damage my relationship with my child, damage my child's self-esteem, or damage my child's independent spirit now if this is something you experienced as a child especially I can see why this is a belief that parents hold if they had a parent who held a boundary and it made them feel less than made them feel made them feel ashamed made them feel sad made them feel fearful made them feel resentful to their parent then this is often a belief system that we will hold but it's not the setting and holding of the boundary That is the issue. It's the way that we set the boundaries and stick to them that can either set up positive and healthy relationship patterns, or they can cause harm. But not setting boundaries or loosening them because we didn't like the reaction. And I know sometimes toddlers and kids can have really big reactions and it feels like, and it may feel similar or look similar to a situation that you felt as a child, and it makes it very uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable place to be and sit in. But backing down because the reaction is too big is definitely not helping our child learn healthy relationship patterns. So it's important to do this with some skill for sure. I'm going to get into the tips and the skills on how you can do this, how you can set some boundaries. And we're going to talk about self-esteem. We're going to talk about their spirit right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com/podcast with the code PARENTING for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to talk about setting boundaries with kids, self-esteem, relationship building, and their spirit. So Many parents I've talked to really struggle with setting boundaries and holding them because of fears of hurting their child emotionally in some way. Again, if this is something that we grew up with, we know we don't want to make our kids feel the same way that we did. I had a lot of this in my childhood. so. If we didn't have an example of how to set and hold boundaries in a healthy way, we don't have any idea what this looks like. So it may feel better to just avoid it. If conflict was unhealthy or felt unsafe in your home growing up or in other relationships since, same thing, you may prefer to avoid it. So the first thing is realizing that, acknowledging it. This is the first step and can be a relief and healing. Just saying to ourselves, I don't like conflict. I have no idea how to take part in conflict in a healthy way, so I just avoid it. And then understanding what kids need from us and why. What makes the most healthy environment for them? First, pushing boundaries is a natural part of toddlerhood, even sometimes into childhood. It does slow way down after about age five for most kids. Now, I say most because this is a temperament thing. But for most kids, if you set solid, healthy boundaries, you hold them in a respectful way. You expect compliance and have healthy interactions and communication when they're broken. Kids learn to respect your response. And you set up healthy communication and the relationship dynamic going both ways. So that by the time they're five and six, these exchanges are a lot easier. Number two, kids are looking to us to be the confident leader, This is really important. They want to know they are safe with us. They want to know that when they are falling apart, that we have it together. They want to know that we can stand up to them. Because if we can do that, then we can stand up to other things, and we can keep them safe in the world. Because the world is big, and it's unknown, and it's scary when you're little, and you can't go out, and you can't fend for yourself. So we have to feel like a safe place for them to land. That means having big feelings, big emotions, pushing back, screaming, yelling, sometimes hitting, and some of those physical reactions, and we stay calm while still holding the boundary. Believe it or not, this means saying no and meaning it, despite the reaction you get. When we say no and mean it, they see us as strong and safe. So here's a really important tip to get you started. If you're going to set a boundary, make sure it's one you really want to set. The thing about parenting is that in order to do it well, it forces us to be intentional. If your child wants to ride to school in the pickup truck instead of the car, and you're about to say no because you don't want to go grab the other keys, you want to think about it first. We tend to just make decisions very quickly in life. We have so many decisions that we're making that we want to make them quickly. But when we have kids, this sometimes isn't possible because this will turn into a 20-minute battle. Because it starts to turn into this power struggle in the driveway. And if you don't have a really compelling reason, it gets harder to hold the line. It gets harder to hold the boundary. If it's because there isn't enough gas in the truck and you don't have time to stop, it's a whole lot easier to hold that boundary and just say, we're not taking the truck today, I don't have enough gas, please get in the car. But if you start waffling and being like, well, I really just didn't wanna go get the keys, I don't have a really good reason, now what am I gonna say, what am I gonna do? How do I hold this boundary? It's a whole lot harder. The more we set a boundary and back down, the more we teach kids to argue with us. The more we teach them that no means yes. So, or no means maybe. And if I bug long enough, I'll get a yes. So then when it really does matter, it gets hard because we really mean no, but we've said no so many times and turned it to a yes, they don't know. So our kids learn that we don't mean what we say, that we're pushovers. And then the balance of power can definitely become not just more equal, but a lot of times it gets flipped where the kids are kind of calling a lot of the shots. So I wanna touch on these areas, these three areas I talked about when it comes to boundary setting. Hurting the relationship, damaging self-esteem, damaging your child's spirit. Let's start with self-esteem. Self-esteem comes from two places. Feeling needed and wanted and a sense of mastery. Self-esteem is something we help foster in our kids from the inside out. Feeling needed is pitching in. We want kids to feel like the family needs them. This place needs me. This is why giving kids ways to contribute is really important. They need to learn life skills too, so this is really important. But they also need to feel needed and accomplished, and it gives them both of these. Giving kids opportunities to build skills in sports, in activities like music, art, engineering. I mean, think about music. There's a few people who are natural at music, but when you first pick up an instrument, nobody's very good at first. So things like that, music, art, engineering, programming, all of those things... This is a skill that they're building, that they can look back and see how much they've progressed. That is the heart of self-esteem. Whatever they gravitate towards, help them build those skills. They build self-esteem. They have something of their own, they're building. It can't be taken away no matter what. So the only damage that can be done to self-esteem around boundaries is through something like belittling to trying to get compliance. Things like, you're so lazy, you never help. You can't do anything right. Those types of statements will definitely eat away at self-esteem. And of course, they're never really going to motivate anyone to do anything anyway. They're not motivational statements either. They're actually demotivational statements. So making sure your child goes to bed and stays there or cleans up their toys or gets ready for school when you ask is never a threat to their self-esteem. And actually, when done with the right mindset and tools, if anything, it will actually increase it because they're learning to be self-sufficient. So damaging the relationship, this is pretty much the same as self-esteem. It's the belittling comments or setting a boundary and then not sticking with it that can damage the relationship. The soft boundaries damage the relationship because we lose credibility. We aren't good for our word. If we can't stick with a boundary with our children, what else are we saying that we don't mean? It also sets up some really unhealthy relationship patterns. If we don't stick with a boundary with our kids, what do our kids learn about setting boundaries when they go out in the world and interact with others? They aren't learning how to be strong in their boundaries either. So when we look at it in that light, it's actually a really huge disservice to them. But when we set boundaries with love and kindness and fairness, we are showing them and teaching them and modeling for them very healthy relationship patterns and giving them skills that they can go out and use in the world later on. Lastly, our child spirit. So I want to talk about what this means to me so that we're all on the same page. When I hear this term child spirit, when I hear parents say that I'm afraid of damaging my child spirit, when I think about my own kids or myself, what I think of as a spirit is the light that we each bring to the world, our unique gifts, their motivation to follow their own inner guidance, So teaching good boundary setting is also another way that actually helps our kids protect their spirit when they go out in the world. When done properly, it doesn't dim or blow out their light. It helps them learn how to shine brighter. It helps them learn how to stand up for themselves and say, no, this is my boundary. I'm not going to do this today. It helps them protect that. So I want to give some guidance on healthy boundary setting and what this is about. Number one Helping our kids learn healthy habits of taking care of themselves from making healthy food choices, so setting boundaries around what's for dinner or for snacks or breakfast, to learning life skills like getting dressed, brushing teeth, to taking on the morning routine fully on their own, cleaning up after themselves and pitching in, these are things we do and expect because we love them. We want them to grow into capable adults. When we can remember that and approach it with that mindset, it makes it much easier to follow through. Number two, keeping an attitude in our minds as we work through following through on expectations. We want to stay calm, remembering where the leader our child is looking up to, even when they aren't acting like it. Once it's all over and once they're a little older, they look back and go, wow, my, my mom or my dad was really was a really calm and confident leader. And I really look up to that. I respect that. And we're showing them the way, with love and with empathy, but staying firm. I understand you don't feel like getting dressed for preschool right now. Today is a school day, and we need to get ready. We follow through with positive discipline. We stay calm. We guide them forward. We connect with the emotion. We have empathy. But we keep moving forward. It's a skill that takes some practice. Parenting is definitely one of those life experiences that really forces us to step up and challenge ourselves in areas we actually may have never even known that we struggled. But we take the opportunity, and it's not just our kids who become better people. We become much better people when we become parents as we go through this process, too. So if you'd like to learn the tools for positive discipline and healthy boundaries, if this is something that you don't really quite have down, you aren't sure— if you're having some loopholes that your children are finding, you want to work with your child's development, with their temperament, help them develop their strengths and their temperament, and help them also work on their, on their struggles or any key areas, you can see all 60 classes on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have comments or questions about what I covered, if it brought up anything for you that you'd like to share or need clarification, please send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com.